Lottie. And I'm Mark. And this is Showtime Never Again. I'm doing so good. How are you? I'm yeah, really good, thanks. Oh, what a day! It's I'm... been a hot minute. <laughs> Siri. I'm off Siri at the same time. <laughs> Woo! Um, um, uh, what are we doing today, Mark? Well, we are interviewing a lovely guy called Blake Allen. Yeah. Which is very exciting. He's from um, the Americas. He's from the New York City, I think. I actually don't or know. Or he's currently living there. Maybe. I'm not I sure. Think. That's what we've been told. We'll find out. If not, whoopsie. Hi, Blake. How are you doing? Sorry about that. Um, yes, because he recently <laughs> uh, announced, no, released this an album happened. called The Shards of an Honor Code Junkie, which you will learn what that's about in the episode. I'm not going to get into it now because spoilers, am I right? Am I right? Spoilers. Um, we haven't got an actor of the hour. We haven't got fun fact of the day. We haven't got a key change. We're just, we're just, gonna just dive doing an interview. In yeah, we just are going to do basically the situation is this. We don't have time for a podcast anymore. No, I'm joking. <laughs> we, um, we both work full-time jobs. And yeah. the days we're not working. Well, Mark works six days a week, so. Yeah. You know. And it used to be back when I was doing the other shows, I have Mondays off and you were working Mondays, obviously. But now I'm off Sundays. So hopefully we might there will be, be more, more episodes coming soon. Yes. We're not going to, like, commit to a season, as per, say, that's English. Per um, Yeah, we're going to just film interviews every so often when we Or if we have an episode idea, we'll film yeah. an episode idea. We're going to call it season three, but it's not going to be a regular Upload schedule. Yes, it's, we're not, yes, that's it, we're not having a schedule. Um, we're just... Schedule, schedule. Schedule's schedule. American. Schedule is English. No one says it, but I do. Okay. Um, but yeah, hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, how are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm in Dallas right now. Oh, lovely. lovely. Nice. Yeah. Is it cold or is it warm there? Uh, it's too warm Ugh. for my taste. Fair enough. <laughs> I wish. Come over here, it's always, it's always cold. It's never warm. Are you in London, or where are you in the UK? We're down south, nearer to Brighton, if you've heard of it. Great. Yeah, nearer to, yeah. so the sea is close, so it makes it a bit colder. Oh, so. That's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's I okay. I like coastline. Yeah, it is, it is nice. It's just, it is. And we're like an hour away from London, so it's also yeah. just really helpful for that as well. Close enough to London. It's all good. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. <laughs> So we we uh, have a list of questions um, that we're going to ask you, um, but we need to do like a, pre- a pretend intro now because <laughs> obviously you know, it's set, set it all up. Okay. Oh, let me just get comfortable. <laughs> right. Um, do you want to do it? You can do it. Do you I see, have to? Go, yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a bit awkward, isn't it? Okay. Okay. Mm. So we're here with Blake Allen. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Yeah, good, yeah. good. Taking mm-hmm. along. Good. <laughs> I, yeah, I lost my voice this morning, which is why I sound like a oh. horse rabbit. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> I mean, well done for making it. Well, you know, you've done a good job. <laughs> yeah, we were worried because we've Thanks. done it before, and the the um, 
the zoom's a bit weird sometimes with diving into another country and we've had a faff with it before so we're here we're we've made it, it. <laughs> it works great thank goodness um we'll just we'll just dive right in so what was great. so your, your album um the shards of an honor code junkie right that was correct yes okay yeah. good. <laughs> cool. that's correct um can you just tell us like what the idea behind it was and and how did it come about yeah, so it's my, um, it's an autobiographical story of me being raised Mormon, gay, and going to the <clears throat> Mormon University, Brigham Young University in Utah. Um, and it started from, on the fifth year anniversary of my friend's suicide, I kind of was still struggling with the trauma of that. And so my therapist at the time was like, why don't you start telling your story through song and story since you're a composer. And so I started it started there, sort of like a <clears throat> therapy for myself, but then it started building into a showpiece. And then I learned that the story could help a lot more people than just myself. So that's where it started. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's a hard thing to go through, really, isn't it? But but music, I feel yeah. music does help people a lot when they they're going through tough times. So. Yeah. And I think it's one of the, yeah, it's one of those really powerful things as well. Like you can pit so many things into music, and people can get different things from it as well. And it can make you experience things that you don't always know you're feeling in a way that's easy to feel. Right. So yeah, um, right. but yeah. So how was it? Yeah. So how was it growing up being Mormon and like dealing and like discovering your sexuality? Um, it was really hard because it goes to get the religion, <clears throat> and you know. Not only was it affecting my eternal happiness, it was affecting my parents. And so there was a lot of like self-hate, self-doubt. Um, yeah, and so it was kind of like my friend's suicide helped trigger that I had to decide if I wanted to choose self-love and leave the church or kind of be on the same path as my friend. Um, so it was really, really hard. But through the process of writing this piece, my relationship with my family and my relationship with my um, friends has really grown and we've begun to understand each other and learn that we can believe different things but still love one another, which is, I think, a positive that has come out of the tale. I mean, definitely, it's a very positive, like, message for anyone as well, like, because yeah. lot, lots of people have very religious families and it's so good to hear that yeah. people have, like, reconciled with their family and, like, people do struggle with it sometimes, yeah. but growing, going, like, going through it and then growing into a normal happy totally. like relationship again is very important i feel yeah yeah i mean it, it took 15 years to get to the place that i'm at now it wasn't easy there was a time where i didn't talk to my family mm -hmm. um in the way that i wanted to talk but then i learned that my parents did love me in the way they knew how to love me and so i had to change my expectation and the moment i started changing how i treated them I was able to accept the love that they could give me and they could accept the love I could give them and then it kind of built from there. Um, yeah. Yeah, pe That's people beautiful. show love in different ways, don't they? And, and like a church church kind of upbringing, I think, yeah, it, it's like, a, it's a whole other world, isn't it? And if, if you're not yeah. fully, I, I don't want to say if you're not fully comfortable, but like, you know, if you are, you know, if you're gay and you're growing up in a Mormon church, you, I feel like you, you're going to kind of feel a bit maybe out of place, and and yeah, it's right. just it's it's all very interesting. I think, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's an interesting way of life. <laughs> um, okay, so the 
the the album cover. I just want to I want to know who came up with the concept for that. Like it's very, I, d I don't know. It's it's very interesting. Yeah. Um. So the piece deals like a lot was cut for the album because I wanted to tell the story in like an album, a storybook album kind of way. Um. But the album's kind of based upon mirrors and mirror shattering mm. to help like understand how you want to build yourself. Like in the final scene, the boy picks up all the mirrors that have shattered and builds another mirror to like look at himself. Like the shards builds who you want to be. So the producer of the album, Mitchell Walker, came up with the idea to have like the shatter come out of the the boy's head. Because it also alludes to like the gunshots, the suicide, and also the mirror shattering. Yeah, that's where that comes from. It's a, it's a very like pretty like album cover, and then like I, I think it, like listening oh, to listen, listen to it as well, like it really does. It, like it makes that, it makes sense. It? I, I, yeah, it reflects it, but it oh. makes, like it makes sense as you go through the album, like seeing that you're like, oh yeah. I just came up with that off the you're top of my head. Look at me get <laughs> wow. No, but I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. It's um. Yeah, it's, a, it's quite uh, I therapeutic. I don't know if that's the right word for it. Like, the, the album, like, listening to it, it's very... I don't know, it feels like I'm going through, like, guided meditation or something. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. I like, yeah. yeah, like, also, like, the way it starts as well with, like, the, the like the person doing it being, like, you know, take deep breaths and all this stuff. It's, like, gets you into a place where you can, like, listen to it and emotionally go through it as well, which I think is right. so interesting and really cool. Like, it's the first time I've ever had an album yeah. like that. I, like, I really enjoyed listening to it and, like, discovering oh, your gift. <laughs> yeah, you can. Oh, thank you. I, <laughs> it was kind of really fun. So Alison Fraser, who has been in so many Broadway things, once she signed on, it kind of, like, adapted to her. Because I've seen her do lots of, like, monologues and one-woman shows. And she has such a gift of just, like, capturing the audience and, like, making you sit in the palm of her hand. So I really wanted to like set the what was the best way to set the world up was to have her just tell you what's going on. And um I was really inspired by Peter Pan and that's kind of how Peter Pan opens. Yeah. Um like just like getting into the mind of the character of Wendy and like her own world that she lives in. So it kind of came from that also. Mm. Very nice. Um so yeah. Wait, what sorry, what question <laughs> are we on? Wow. <laughs> sort of I mean we can actually that one make, make more yeah? sense first. cool uh, so how did it feel working on the album with like so many different like people like especially like the big Broadway community how was it like working with some like the big stars as it were <laughs> um it's it's intimidating because you know when you have a big name it comes with a lot of um expectation not only from the star but also from the audience that follows the star but at the end of the day I love to surround myself with people who are really wonderful to work with, who have such good energy. And so, yes, I'm like Teal Wicks, I'm like her biggest fan, but she's become my friend. Um, you know, Wicked, The Share Show. And so when you're in the recording room working with them, they want to not only make you happy, like meet me, you meaning me, like the composer, yeah. but also like to tell the story properly. So it's actually really easy and fun. <clears throat> but I always love to pair superstars with people that no one knows so that like i can give the opportunity to people who don't have those opportunities yet and yeah. I, I, I mean i it's nice seeing like especially with, like 
theatre as well at the moment. Like, I think it's so nice to see new people coming into it. Like, some because some people have like, come to fame like through not fame, but like they've been recognised through TikTok, and then that's helped them express their dreams of becoming like you know, the next West End star, the next Broadway star sort of thing. It's helped them get that's, into it, and it's really like nice to see people that have, like have really worked hard to be there, and has been helped yeah. nicely into. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they've been given that opportunity. No, go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say, I was gonna, I was gonna say they've um they've been given that opportunity through yeah TikTok like like Mark said or like with people like you that have just grabbed people that no like you know are small and not not like these massive stars and yeah you've given them that opportunity which is cool. Right. Yeah, I always um talent is talent and so. You know, just because you've been in the movie or been on Broadway does not mean that you have a talent. And just because you haven't been in the movie or on Broadway does not mean the talent's there. So I always like to, you know, for instance, like Cree Carico is my friend and she's the opera singer on it. She's not a big name, but she just like, you know, sang a high C sharp in her parents' closet. So I want to showcase people who actually have the goods and like amplify the voice that they have. Yeah, and I mean, it, maybe it's a stupid question, but are you a big Broadway fan? Are you? Do you go and see shows a lot? <laughs> yes, I'm a big, I'm a big Broadway nerd. I have been my whole life. I was raised on Broadway. Good. I like so, that. That um, works with the Mormon Church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I was raised on Disney and Angela Lansbury and Julie Andrews. So <laughs> wonderful. I mean, a brilliant mix. Isn't everyone raised on Angela Lansbury and Julie Andrews? I just, I mean, they are the, the two, like, they, idols of Disney. so good. <laughs> yeah. They okay. were my nannies growing up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I just thought I'd ask, because, you know, some people, they, they, they're more on, like, the... Obviously, you've used Broadway stars, like, in your album, or, you know, musical theatre performers, but, you know, you might not be into it. I just thought I'd ask. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really into the the fad of making movies into musicals. Okay, yeah. Um, I would agree. I, I, you know, I've been <laughs> for a long time, but like, I want to see like Hades Town, for instance, or everyone's talking about Jamie. Like, original ideas, six, you know, just like, I like that from the style than like Pretty Woman the musical, or Tootsie the musical, or Mrs. Doubtfire. Let's come up with some new idea. Yeah, it I can like be that. a bit... Yeah. yeah, it can be, but also because I feel like because I work on in the West End, I work on a I, I work on Evan Hansen, which is obviously was a, a new piece when yeah. it came out. Yeah. So like, it was a cult, and it's a very different feel. Whereas working on a show that already has a fan a, base, a fan really. base, or like a pre, because yeah. before COVID, I worked on Les Mis, and I also and now I work on Evan Hansen. And feeling like the different audiences, obviously Les Mis is like the big show of the, you know, the world, but also like because it had a fan base because of the books beforehand, there was also right. that sort of expectation right. of what you want the show to be, whereas having a whole new source material also allows you to show different things. Yeah, and that's so true. Right. It's very right. different and I love it. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like to the opera, part of the reason why it's so popular is because it's been like the horror story for centuries, right? And yeah. so you go in already knowing the story, you already love it. You know, you want to see the chandelier fall, right? Yeah. The thing is, you want to see the turntable. Oh. So, the, the gimmick that... <laughs> the Revolve! Oh. They got rid of the Revolve. It doesn't exist over here anymore. No, 
Yeah, oh, they, um, no. it, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Basically, um, yeah, we, Les Mis, it closed for um, summer of 2019 and then reopened because they redid yeah. the theatre. And um, yeah, one of the things they said to us, they were like, yeah, we're getting rid of the Revolve because it caused too many problems because oh, no. it was like 30 years old. <laughs> um, well, it, yeah. Oh, so, my God. <laughs> so, yeah. And now they've brought in a new piece of set that comes in from the side and that also has problems. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. The Arthur Theatre, what can we say? So, what's like the lame is no fly zone, like in Wicked, you know, when the cherry picker doesn't work? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> well. <laughs> oh, my God. This is so good. No, no, you, which, you do Which one? I was talking about Javert's Suicide. Oh, okay. There's a new thing with art with the new West End production where in Javert's Suicide, he gets lifted up and taken back. On the and it's only like thing. flies okay. and it's very cool. On the opening night, it didn't work. And it was the most awkward thing that ever happened because obviously at that point, it was never rehearsed. There was no like plan B rehearsed. Oh. But since then, there is now. But um, yeah. he just sort of had to awkwardly walk backward and be like oh yeah because he stands on like this bridge thing or bridge the bridge and when this thing lifts him up the bridge like separates and goes off so he just kind of stepped off this bridge backwards and yeah went back and was like oh my gosh yeah it wasn't great (laughs) but it was a great night to be watching the show I I wasn't sat in I was outside so I didn't see it unfortunately but I think other than that, it's not like... Um, there's nothing that can go wrong that will make the whole show... There's not like an alternative. Anything else that goes wrong, they have to stop the show and like fix things, I think. Yeah. Like the barricades and the... It's now, new, it's now like new massive set pieces, so if they go wrong, yeah. it goes wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> they just need <laughs> to stop. But um, yeah, I, I miss... I saw, uh, sorry, you go. I saw Aladdin in Toronto <clears throat> on the like first preview of Aladdin, and... Um, Jasmine goes, do you trust me? I'm sorry, um, Aladdin goes, do you trust me? And Jasmine says, yes. And he heard this huge screeching sound because the magic carpet, like, destroyed the floor. Oh, no. And so they had to stop the show for two hours. It was just the funniest thing. Like, we, like, love when theatre doesn't work. Yes, it is, it, it's the best bit. That's, yeah, it's one of my favourite bits about working as well. It's like, you know, like, the little weird things that no one quite realises that go wrong and you're like... <laughs> you're like, aha, I see the, what happened there. <laughs> like, yeah. yes, like, yesterday at work, we had someone, like, miss the first beat in one of the songs, so it just was like... And they're like... And they didn't say And they were just like... Uh. <laughs> and they're just like, their brain just wasn't... They, like, froze and we're like... <laughs> Come on, go, 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 quick, get that line in. <laughs> Oh, but no. it was it was very fun. after a, after uh, a dramatic day it was a, it was it made me look giggle. Fair enough. I love, yeah, yeah. Live theatre, <laughs> there's nothing quite like it. But then live music as well, like concerts or you know operas or or whatever. That it's it's just like a whole other experience, isn't it? You're just you're, I feel like it, you're more immersed in that kind of when you're sat in a venue, you're listening to this thing you've you've paid to see whatever it is or hear whatever it is, and you're just yeah. I kind of that kind of is how your album feels because of the the whole how it's set up with the it, like what was I saying oh meditation kind of thing going on. Mm. I feel like that's kind of just how you feel when you listen to it, even if you're at home. <laughs> um, yeah, you're, I felt I felt immersed. <laughs> is what I'm getting at. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's kind of the point. It's not an album where you can just like jump track to track, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not on a playlist. Yeah, you could just click um, shuffle and hit the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but it was modeled after those Disneyland 
storybooks, you know, like Jungle Book, where there was a narrator, and it'd be like, and now turn the page. Kind yeah. of. Or go in and out of song, where you can just sit there and listen to it. It's only, what, 68 minutes? So you just press play, you sit there, and then it's done. Take a Kleenex and <laughs> go on a journey. Yeah, it is emotional. Um, it, yeah. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't really expecting it. I kind of got in from work, <laughs> put it on, and I was like, this is going to be nice. And I was like, what? okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's good. Yeah. It's it's not a bad thing, but it is emotional. No. It's like it makes also, you think. <laughs> it's also nice to hear like a. It's nice to have an experience deck open the emotions up, and it's honest. Get it out. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So moving slightly off of, <laughs> of, of, of theatre. Um. Well, kind of. What What's it like working with the Drag Race star that is Tina Burner? Oh my gosh, that's why I'm in Dallas, you know, my Tina Burner hat. Oh, love it. <laughs> um, it's really, really great, um, which is why I don't have a voice. Oh my God, I just have to tell you. So I don't talk in the entire show, except we do sweet transvestite. And so I say the line like, uh, I'm glad we caught you at home. And it like, just didn't come out. So it's just all of a sudden didn't have a voice. So it's really funny. Oh. Um, <laughs> Tina Burner's a workhorse. She's... Um, a linebacker in drag. She's a monster in the best way. Um, but she's such a talent and she's so kind. Uh, it's been really fun to go around the country and we're going to Canada um, next year and show people that she sings. She doesn't sit there and like do the lip sync and the ka 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 It's like she tells her story. So I think people are really impressed with the fact that she is more than what she was edited on the TV show. Yeah. Um, I've known her for 10 years, and it's always a thrill to work with her. Yeah, I... She's always so kind. TV does that, doesn't it? it? It sort of edits in the bits that they want to, like, create drama or, right. or whatever. And sometimes, yeah, you don't see the real person until they're not on the show anymore. And then suddenly they're right. doing their own thing, they're doing their live show, they're, they've got their own TV show, whatever. And you're like, oh, I see. <laughs> Like they're they're, right. they're a real human being. <laughs> Who would have known? <laughs> you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, with yeah, with drag especially, I think. Well, I mean, drama is like half of RuPaul's Drag Race, isn't it? That's like what the show is. <laughs> right. So, right. so you know, you kind of, yeah. It must be nice that I mean, obviously, you know her like well, but it must be nice to sort of have that relationship where you you know the real her and. Yeah, you right. get to see her flourish on stage and show her real self. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, well, I, we always talk about how <clears throat> you look at her season, season 13, and you remember the red, orange, and yellow, whether it was a good choice or not to do that. You know, every single day, Tina gets texts from people saying, look, it's McDonald's, it's Tina Burner, right? Or, I don't know, it's just memorable. Um, and then it's also fun to, like, we were in Austin for two days yesterday, the day before and just to see like packed houses just kind of fawn over her and be so excited ranging from like an 18 year old to like a 70 year old and just like they're just so excited to see someone so joyful and like because lots of times when the rupaul girls go on tour they like don't really talk and tell their story so it's nice to like see people just like, excited to get to know her um yeah it's nice she's my friend she's my girlfriend love it <laughs> And um, aren't, no. aren't you married to a, a drag person, star, yes. queen? <laughs> I'm married to Marty, um, <clears throat> I'm married to Marty Gold Cummings. Um, 
they started Shade, Queens NYC, and they just ran for New York City Council and got second. Ooh. So they were the first non-binary candidate in New York City history, and the first drag wow. artist in New York. So, yeah, it was really wonderful to kind of see that happen as well. And then we tour as well. So like, I'm, I'm on two simultaneous tours, which is kind of fun. Oh, my. You oh. are busy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just working. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. That's yeah. mad. Gotta pay for that New York City rent. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I've not lived in New York, but we, we went for five days and that was enough oh <laughs> money wise. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's wild. It's really wild. But anyway, whilst on the subject of New York, how is, what was it like performing at 54 Below and being there? The iconic venue. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's iconic. Um, <laughs> I've been performing there for since it opens, and I had my own show there, which is great. Um, it's really nice. It's like a, a fancy dinner supper club. Um, it's cool because it's like in below the Studio 54 of the Golden Age, you know, the 70s. So it still kind of has that like glamour vibe. Um, they have a really nice piano. Oh. <laughs> it's one of my favorite pianos to play on in the city, which is hard to find. Different. Yeah, no, 54 Below is a great venue. Because yeah. like, I feel like I've seen loads of people, like loads of big old like Broadway artists perform there, and I think it's like one of those like iconic. Not actually places. in person. No, <laughs> not in person. But like I've seen videos of people, and it's like wow, that like it seems like one of those iconic places to be and like do right. theatery stuff. So. Right. Yeah. It's, it's nice because you can see huge superstars like Liz Calloway or Megan Hilty or Cheetah Rivera for a really affordable ticket in a venue that holds 150 people. So you get to be up close to artists that, you know, you, you really only see on the stage. Yeah. So that's what's like, really cool about it. It's, an, it's an, uh, an intimate venue. But I, I mean, I don't know if it is as iconic over over in the States, but <laughs> I know that the West End community, are like when we see you know so and so is performing at 54 below we're like oh, whoa they've made it they're they're there i don't know is it no, definitely it, it's definitely a <clears throat> bucket list kind of venue yeah um but i think like everything i've been living in the city over a decade and so like you know like carnegie hall for instance i've i'm grateful i've played there several times so it loses its charm after a while you kind of have to pinch yourself and go oh yeah Tell your 16-year-old self what you're doing. You're playing 54 Below. And then you're like, oh, yeah, great. This is such an important venue. There are so many people who would love to play here. Be grateful, right? So it's really fun. Yeah. I mean, it it, it does help Like when like you get into these big things to remind yourself, like... Where you are. Where I am, at least. Where you are. Like You're like, oh, when I was 12, where, however old, you're like, this would be like, the biggest thing for me to do. And now I'm doing it. I'm getting to do it. You're like, this is actually a dream and it's what right. I want to do and like I think right. it sparks you to keep going sometimes when you're having a hard day you're like I've done these really cool things oh right it's like you know being on West End or Broadway doing eight shows a week gets monotonous and tiring yeah. and sometimes the doldrums of any job then you go oh wait there are millions of people who would dream for this job so like be a little grateful and just like it puts a little tip in your step yeah yeah would um that. Are there any venues that you're still waiting to play? Like one day you want to play certain places? Anywhere in the world, not ne not necessarily the US. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean like, I, all these venues I've done, I want to be like, it's like my show where I'm not just the music director, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I want to be at Carnegie Hall where it's like my music. I've had stuff of mine performed there, but like a night of Blake Allen stuff. 
yeah. or something. Um, the Palladium would be a dream. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's I, like a huge dream. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not Lady Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Not, not, not yet. yet. You could be. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Um, yeah, I have, a, I have an opportunity that might happen where I'm, stars might be playing the Venice State Opera House Whoa. in the summer. I don't know if I should say that because I haven't signed the contract, but it might be playing there. So that would be a huge dream. Um, so fingers crossed it happens, otherwise I just embarrass myself. It's <laughs> all right, it's fine. Yeah, so like that, that would be like a huge bucket list. Yeah, I, in my head for some reason I had um, the Royal Albert Hall is quite a big deal over here. Oh, yeah. It's a big deal, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. Shirley Bassey Royal Albert Hall, yeah. Yeah, oh, what a place. I love the Royal Albert Hall. Um, I have, oh, yeah, I have been actually. Sorry, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, I had another question and I can't remember what it was. It was just like off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> Go oh for no, that. it's gone. Oh, what? So oh, what? What instruments do you play? <laughs> Great, piano, viola, and violin. So I started on piano when I was three, added violin when I was ten, and then kind of moved over to viola for my undergrad, and then re went back to piano. So I played in Tootsie, I was a sub on Tootsie on violin, I played in Misery on viola, and I toured on the country on piano. So those are my instruments. Fair enough. Because nice. I can't play any, so just playing one instrument, oh, no. playing one instrument, someone playing one instrument, I'm like, okay, that's cool. When, when yeah. you just add more in, I'm like, okay, <laughs> stop. <laughs> like, I'm so jealous. <laughs> um, I think that's all we have. Unless there's anything else you, you want to just tell us about or <laughs> if you have any fun stories i don't know <laughs> oh my gosh i don't know about fun stories um thank you so much for letting me talk about this you know i always say <clears throat> that the goal with shards was to you know come from a place of my own therapy but i've gotten so many messages from people who are current students at byu people who aren't mormon who have messaged me and i hope it brings a light to someone in a dark corner who's feeling alone and I always say, if Shards helps one person feel loved and not take their own life, then everything is worth it. So I just hope that people feel love, you know, and share their light with the world because everyone has a special light to give. Well, we, we feel love, so you've, you've got two people there. Uh, <laughs> thanks. I feel love from you, too. Oh, wonderful. Thrilled. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, thanks for talking to us. Um, and Thank you. Yeah, we'll we'll post this episode and hopefully spreads it over in the UK and then people listen over here as well. Cause oh yeah, yeah. that'd be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank See you later. Yes, thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for watching this interview with the lovely Blake Allen. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was a great time. We had a lovely time talking to him. He's such a lovely guy, what and a man. it was great to hear his story. And I hope you guys go listen to his album. Which is called, don't be getting it wrong, <laughs> The Shards of an Honour Code Junkie. Um, you can there find you it all your places to go find it. iTunes, Spotify. It, it did pretty well. It was number one on the, was it the iTunes classical album chart? For two weeks? Yes. And it was in the top 40 on the like top 100 albums. So there you go. It did very well. Um, so yeah, go yeah. check that out. Go check him out and send him some love. Thank you yes. so much for watching, listening, listening to us and being here. 
there's many episodes. I think this is episode number like 50, don't even know, 50, 50 something. Pff. 50. Um, Insert number 58, here. 9? 10. Something like that. Um, and yeah, go go check out our other go, episodes. Go, go. We have a few other interviews um, pre- that we've previously done, yeah. including Callum Heinrich, Jodie Steele, Georgina Castle, Grace Mowat, and David Loud. I think that's all of them. And then obviously now today's Blake. Um, and we've got some more lined up. Um, as we fun. say, this season is going to hopefully be sort of just an interviewy kind of thing. 55. So this is number 56. Well, this, this is, is number 55. 55. Sorry, my bad. Um, so, yeah, we've got some other interviews lined up. We're very excited. The next one is someone that I feel like Everyone. everyone's seen in the pandemic on TikTok. Oh, a little Ooh. cheeky. A I have an idea there. for you, guess Oh, we're going to have a chat and we will leave you to watch this episode. Well, no, you've already watched it, but go listen again. Why not? Give us, give us <laughs> Click a repeat. Or go to the next one. <laughs> Click Skip somewhere over, over there. Woohoo! Okay, um, we're going to go. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs>